good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Levin Black. Levin didn't join us on the instant reaction on Monday night after the game, so I have not really spoken to you since before the 49ers whooped up on the Rams. I'm going to ask you how you're doing, but I assume it's got to be much better than we were last week. You know, you would think, but now this is Wednesday night. It's been long enough after the game. I'm kind of in a melancholy mood because uh, I stunning. Yeah, I'm I'm just in this mood of like I don't know what the f this team is. I I want to know like are they good? Are they not good? Like they looked really good first two weeks, like good enough. They won both games, both on the road, both on the East Coast. Something a lot of West Coast teams don't. And then they looked like crap, and then all of a sudden they show up and they're the completely dominant team that we all expected on Monday Night Football. And it's like, okay, you just showed and confirmed that that dominant team is still there. But I haven't seen it all year, and we're sitting at four and five, so I'm just kind of in this mood of, where the F has that been all season? (laughs) Like, after the game, yeah, I was ecstatic, but it's been long enough now where I've kind of gotten past that, and it's like, where was that? You cheated me for seven weeks. You made me feel miserable for seven weeks. <laughs> so just so we're clear, I usually start the show and say something to the effect of, this is the show where you get the hot takes mostly from me and the cold truth mostly from the human wet blanket, Levin Black. And what you're telling me is after the team's biggest win in the season, where they absolutely dominated the Rams, one of the top teams in the conference, you're not really too thrilled. You're kind of mad. You're in your own words, melancholy. Well, what's the cold truth? This team is four and five. That's the cold truth. Like, yeah, they got a big win against the Rams. Yippee. They're still four and five. That's the cold (laughs) truth. Well, you're not wrong about that. And they got a a potential letdown game coming up against the Jags. Before we get to that and some of the things Kyle Shanahan said on Wednesday, we always ask you, remind you, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We love your reviews. We really appreciate it. It really helps people discover us, which is something that's really hard to do when it comes to new podcasts. And this one comes from No Gracias 77 Like we always say, you take the time to leave a review. We will read it on the show. Five-star review titled A Dose of Reality. Love the shows. I'm an overly optimistic fan by nature, so the reality check stats gives every morning about the failings of the team and coaches feels like eating my Niners vegetables. I know it's good for me even when I'd often rather have some sugar-coated donuts. Sugar-coated donuts, not my favorite, but I appreciate the review and the rating, and I appreciate you enjoying some honesty. We like to provide that on this show. I know people get mad at us, Levin, because they don't always like to hear it, but we promise authenticity, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of places to go get that sugar-coated stuff anyways. You know, and look at anything NBC Sports, and it's going to be pretty sugar-coated. And there's plenty of other places, especially lately, as we have <laughs> talked about many, many times. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I am somebody that for my own – I can't get out of my own way sometimes when it comes to being truthful and not being able to put a fake smile on my face. Like, I am definitely not that way. I've had conversations with – supervisors co-workers blah 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 that basically like like one of the people i work with now you know he's one of the higher ups he's like i can't get a read on you this was like a year into the job and i was like yeah that, that that's because i don't do any of the fake crap i don't put a smile at somebody doesn't Ooh, somebody walked into the control room i don't go oh hey what's up <laughs> it's hey i'm here at work what do you need you you know who you are. I don't know if you ever watched Parks and Rec. You're kind of like Ron Swanson. Like, you don't want to get too chummy with your coworkers. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Like, I would be fine being friends with them. But, like, I, I am very straight to the point. I don't care for I don't care for the fake niceties. You know, it's one of the reasons why I'm not big into Christmas. Because everybody becomes fake for an entire month. You know, it's like, why can't you be that the whole year? <laughs> it takes too much effort, man. I got a month of, of niceness. Exactly. It takes too much effort to be fake like that. And I put in none of that effort all year because it's fake. And I, I it's like, it, it's something deep down to my core. I can't be fake. And like, I was, that's the whole point of the, what I, why I told the story. Like I can't be fake to my own detriment. I rub people the wrong way sometimes because they think I'm mad or I'm just a jerk. And it's like, no, I'm just like literally sitting there with no emotion. Like I, I'm, 
it's not that I'm like mad at you or being a jerk or like saying, leave me alone, get out of here. It's just me going, okay, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, you know, how's the family that I've never met? You know, like, you know, <laughs> and will not be meeting in the future. Right, so that's why right. we get along. <laughs> we don't that we talk about yeah. the Niners and we leave it at that for the most part. And that's kind of what we give you on this pod, too. Um, bunch of things I want to get to today. Kyle Shanahan spoke to the media. The 49ers press corps continues to do a terrible job when it comes to their question asking. Um, but the biggest story of the day on Wednesday was the news that came from Jimmy Ward who was a guest on KMBR, who said that before the day before the Niners played the Rams, they had a defensive team meeting that was led by Jimmy Ward, Fred Warner, and Eric Armstead. Now, Ward on KMBR said, well, we just talked about, you know, getting together and doing the details and that kind of a thing. If you've ever heard Jimmy Ward on the field or just, you know, any of the locker room behind the scenes stuff, he's not like a hey, let's call a meeting and just remind everybody to be on their P's and Q's. He's very much a vocal, take-you-to-task kind of leader. And it was great to hear, Levin, because that's the kind of thing that so many 49er fans have been wishing. Accountability from the players, right? We finally got an example of it. That plus one thing Shanahan said in his press conference earlier today, or on Wednesday, I should say, since people could listen to this podcast at any time in the future, um, on Wednesday, Kyle said this and the whole meeting with Jimmy Ward and Fred Warner and all them, it, it made me wonder if uh, your question to Juice kind of got back to the team about, is there anybody there that will grab your face mask? And the reason why I wonder that is Kyle literally used that phrase today in his press conference. I think it's always great when players hold each other accountable. And it's not the way that people want it to see when they see someone grabbing someone by their face mask or yelling at someone on the sidelines. That's usually um, just for other people. Huh. That's very either a huge coincidence that for the first time ever, I have seen somebody on this team use that phrase that I can remember. Certainly the first time Kyle has used it to my knowledge um, right after we had that conversation with juice. And then like literally right after uh, or right before that, actually about an hour before that, I saw the news about the defensive thing. And it's like, I wonder if like juice came out of that interview and it was like, as leaders, we need to be more vocal. We need to, you know, maybe he did that for the offense. Who knows? You know, maybe the offense had a little talk and we just don't know it yet. But it, I just find that really coincidental that that talk happened and Kyle used the exact phrase you used when asking Juice. That may be the greatest point you've ever made on this podcast. So I just want to say <laughs> congratulations to you. Um, you know, it's funny that you bring up the Juice interview, though, because I remember him talking about how pissed off the team was and how they were really going to do a lot of different things this week because they kind of recognized the urgency. And I, that was really my focus going into the game was like, okay, let's see if that was, you know, bullshit for lack of a better term, or let's see if they really are going to change some things up. And I think that they did. I think they did change some things up. I think they recognized sort of the, the fork in the road that they were facing. We got to see Debo in the backfield. Jimmy was basically exclusively out of the shotgun one play action pass for the 49ers of the entire game, which is stunning in a Kyle Shanahan offense. So it seems like that wasn't just smoke from juice. Right. And I, I wonder if the play action thing gets back to what we were talking about before we went on air, you were talking about how, uh, you know, Jimmy said he didn't make a throw because he thought there was a defensive lineman there. Well, play action takes away some of your time. You know, it gives the defense more time to get to the quarterback. I wonder if that's why they made that adjustment so that uh, Jimmy can get to his progressions sooner and not get his what we call happy feet and not make the throw. Like give him the time rather than having him spend a full second first with his back turned to the defense. I wonder if that's one of the adjustments they made that Kyle is saying, you know what, I am a play action heavy offense, but that takes away the time for my quarterback and it's critical to him. He doesn't do well after it's been a second or two. So why don't I go ahead and see what happens? Jimmy has been aligned in the shotgun on 96% of his snaps since week eight compared to 66% over the rest of his career with San Francisco. So, you know, maybe it's an example of Kyle just being like, Hey, this is what works. And we're desperate. Like you said, at that point, they were three and five, like, and they were, and they just went with it and it worked so good. Um, with the Debo thing in the backfield, 
This is something that Peyton Manning brought up on the Manning cast. And I got to say, the Manning cast, first of all, it's not for people whose team is actually in the game on Monday Night Football. It's for everybody else. <laughs> and I, I know I'm different than a lot of people. I do not care. The second Draymond Green came on, I was like, right back to the other one. I wanted to hear Peyton talk about the Niners. I wanted to hear Eli talk about the Niners. And one of the things that Peyton said, which I thought was really smart, because Debo was in the backfield a few times, and he was like, well, you number one, you know they're probably not going to audible, right? Because then Debo's going to have to pass block, potentially. Like, they're pretty much, when he's there, they're going with that play, which, you know, is a real thing. Like, defenses are going to pick up on that. And the other thing I thought, too, is like, if Debo's in the backfield, you know it's going to be a run to him. You know he's getting the ball. So I feel like they can use that, but I don't know how much of a, a shelf life that has. Uh. Yeah, I I would assume there's a I don't I don't know if it's technically a trick play coming, but there's a play coming. Kyle always sets things up weeks in the future. There's a play coming where it's going to be a play action to Debo and they're going to probably if I was doing it, I would play action to doing like an outside run with Debo and have Jimmy bootleg to the opposite side and have somebody like Ayuk basically just going deep the other way on a go route or a post route and see if the defense falls for it, which there's a pretty good chance they're going to. Cause like you said, if Debo's in the backfield, it's either a screen to him or a handoff to him or a pitch, you know? So I would guess that they're going to be playing that game here at some point. We're going to see that play where it doesn't go to Debo. It's a pass play. The other thing uh, that I wanted to talk about too, that you mentioned with juice and that whole interview he said that there's not really that kind of grab your face mask leader anymore in the NFL. We we didn't buy that. We said that immediately after the interview that that wasn't really true. I, I think he was taking you extremely liberal or yeah. literally on purpose to avoid the question. Mm, well, you know be, what I mean. Like he's taking it to the extreme literal. Does is there somebody in the NFL these days that puts their hand on another player and grabs a no? Because in today's NFL and society in general, they're going to say piss off and it's going to cause problems. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't mean somebody won't get in your face yelling. Right. Know? And that's what we wanted to see. Like we didn't really, like Kyle said in his press conference on Wednesday, like, oh, you know, when you grab somebody's face mask, that's for other people. It's like, we didn't actually want to see that specific act. We just wanted to see the players hold each other accountable. It looks like we got that from the players only meeting, you know, now, Great that I don't I don't want to say that the way they played was directly responsible because of that meeting, but I will say there was a noticeable difference in how they came out. They were pumped. They came to play. They were flying around the ball. Fred Warner was tossing people to the ground after the whistle. Aziz Alshire was murdering people out there. <laughs> like they the defense was different on Monday night. Maybe it was because of that meeting. Maybe it wasn't, but whatever it was the result of they need to continue to do because that's how they have to play. I just think the defense kind of needed a wake-up call. You know, in, in retrospect, watching, you know, the previous games and this game, it just seems like they were sitting back and waiting for the play to unfold and then reacting to it. Whereas this past game, they were playing downhill. They were playing extremely, like you said, fast. That's why they seemed like they were playing fast because they were being more aggressive. They weren't waiting on oh, okay, they're going here with the ball. They were, I'm getting to this damn spot, and if they're there, I'm going to obliterate whatever's there, you know, from, from the offense. It, it's just, it comes off as you're playing more aggressive, and in a way you kind of are, but it's really just anticipating more, you know what I mean? Like just saying, I don't care what's going on, I'm getting here, and that's what we mean by downhill. They're just pretty much always playing at full speed rather than kind of sitting back on your heels and going, I got to wait until I see where this is going first. You know, once you, in any sport, once you get on your heels, you're toast. And I think that's to, to an extent what this defense had happened to them in recent weeks was they got on their heels. They were kind of playing a little too conservative, waiting to see what was going to happen and then trying to react. And it's too late when you do that. Part of me thinks, especially with the secondary having their issues, that it was almost like we're just trying not to do something bad. And on Monday night, it was like, hey, let's try and do something good for the defense. Jimmy Ward ties his career total with two interceptions in the first two possessions. I mean, it was an incredible, incredible night. Um, well, it, it helps when Stafford sucked. 
I mean, Stafford was off. Something <laughs> Did was off. Did you see that him. his wife? Like his his passes were not accurate at all. Like there were times where there was an opening, and he flubbed the pass. Like it was wobbly. It was crap. Like something was definitely off with him in that game. Well, his ankle was a little banged up going into the game, so maybe yeah, that was a bigger but... factor. His wife got in trouble. Did you see what happened? No, I didn't. So see she was talking crap, or I shouldn't say that. I I take that back. The Niners fans were talking crap to her. And, you know, your husband's out there. He's struggling. Things are going really badly for the team. She got a little frustrated. And apparently <laughs> she chucked a soft pretzel at somebody. <laughs> and security came over and they had to, like, move her to new seats. But she was very apologetic on her Instagram account afterwards, saying it was a dumb thing to do and she shouldn't have done it. But I saw somebody on Twitter say, well, if it was anything like her husband's passes, that fan didn't have anything to worry about. It was an incredible night for the 49ers. You talked about playing downhill. There's one play that I can still see in my head right now. It was a third down play. The Rams went empty backfield. The Niners went tight man coverage except for one person. And that was a little play that was, I think, uh, to the running back. They tried to do a pick play to the running back over the middle. And Hufanga comes screaming down from the safety position and meets the receiver just as the ball gets there, smashes anyone, breaks it up. Kyle Shanahan talked about that in his press conference on Wednesday, and he gave Hufanga a huge compliment, which is he said that he plays with no hesitation and he wishes that everybody on the defense played like that. For him to say that about a rookie is a huge compliment from Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, and Tarts on the uh, comeback path could be back this week. Uh, who knows? But I wonder if he doesn't get his starting job back. I think that Kyle might be the about that. Yeah, I think that might be the one rookie who truly strangles the starting job away from somebody that truly takes it away from an entrenched veteran. Kyle said he's not automatic that Tark gets his job back, um, mm-hmm. that they were trying to mix in Huff even before Tark got hurt, which I well, think he said rookie. that in preseason that it wasn't guaranteed Tart gets his job back when he missed a lot of time. Right, because they were talking about who was that? Who was the other safety, the veteran safety? Was it Tavon Wilson at the time? Mm-hmm. I forget who it was, but yeah, yeah. He, you're right. That's true. That's a really good point that he uh, Tart has never really been secure this year. Right. Um, I, I think they need that. Like, if if we want to talk about, it, we can talk about. It. Like, I think they need somebody that doesn't hesitate and plays extremely aggressive from that safety position. Because that's what gives you turnovers. Is it a risk? Yeah. Are there going to be plays where Hufanga is not where he needs to be because he played too aggressive and bit up on something? Yes. But this defense has too many players in that secondary that play it safe. You know, Ward doesn't get a lot of turnovers because he doesn't come screaming in on those. He tends to stay back and trust his speed to be able to get to whatever to try to break it up, which isn't necessarily a bad player. The problem is Tart does the same thing. And when you have two safeties that are just going to sit back and trust their athleticism to get there, you're not going to have too many turnovers because a lot of times the turnovers are a DB taking a gamble. They are biting on the route and guessing, hey, this I think this is that route, and they're jumping it. And we just don't have safeties that do that, and a lot of times it takes a safety doing that to get turnovers. I also really like the idea of Hufanga playing with Ward, a veteran guy, right. somebody that can teach him you know, Hufanga is not a speed guy at all. So he's going to need to rely on basically his diagnostic capabilities. And Jimmy Ward, I think, is going to help with that, share a lot of that wisdom and knowledge and, and get him in the right spot or make him right. And what I mean by that is just play off of Hufanga a little bit. Like a, with Troy Palomalo in Pittsburgh, he, he had no assignment. And any play, it was like, mm-hmm. Troy's just going to do whatever he wants. And Ryan Clark has talked about this on ESPN, about how like it was his job to make Troy correct in whatever he did. <laughs> so Palomalu does whatever, and, and Ryan Clark has to just adjust and do what he needs to to compensate for that. And I think that Hufanga might be in some bad spots, like you said, because he bites on some stuff. But hopefully Ward can sort of make him right and kind of clean that up a little bit. Because you're right, I think the defense does need that kind of aggressive risk-taking kind of player. Right. His style reminds me a little bit of Deshaun Goldson because Goldson was uber aggressive, was always wanting to come lay a huge hit like he was a linebacker. Hufanga has that in him, plays really aggressive. They're not overly similar. It's just kind of their mentality reminds me of each other. Now, the problem for Goldson was he was limited physically, 
speed wise, which Hufanga is, and teams figured out how to use his aggressiveness against him, and he never adjusted after there was an adjustment to him. You know, <laughs> um, so who knows what's coming for Hufanga? But I, I like that aggressiveness. I think you need somebody. You need one of your safeties to be that that type. And I think that's been part of the problem is that we have two safeties that weren't that type. So like we said, Kyle was very complimentary of Hufanga during the press conference. There was another player that was getting a lot of love in the press conference. And you and I both think it was a very bad thing. We'll tell you who that was and what was said. Plus, we're going to get into something that Tim Kawakami wrote. And there's one more defensive starter that I don't think should get his job back when he returns from injury. So we'll talk about all that when we come back from break. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. Okay, there was another player on Wednesday that got a ton of love in the press conference, but not from the players or the coaches. It was actually from the people asking the questions, and that was Daniel Brunskill, because it seemed like the 49ers press corps saw a couple plays on Twitter of Daniel Brunskill and Aaron Donald, and they decided to throw every possible bouquet at Brunskill during this media session, Levin, and you could see Shanahan, Garoppolo, they weren't totally comfortable with it. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's they, because I only read, read the transcript. It certainly seemed like the same person asking the questions. And as I was reading the transcript, I was just like, the first time I read the first question, I was like, who asked that and in that <laughs> manner? Like, it's okay to ask. Like, it, it's one thing to say, hey, Brunskill plays really well against Donald. What do you think makes him effective? But it was... Oh my God, did you see Brunskill against Donald? He dominated him. You know, it's like, who's asking this question? Nobody and then dominated they followed, When they didn't get the answer they wanted, they followed it up and doubled down on that fanboy type talk in asking it. And then I keep reading and I get to the Grappolo interview and they ask the same damn question in the same st- the same way. It was like, who let a fan off the street sit here <laughs> gushing off something like some Homer, you know, like, so I, I, I don't know who was asking those questions because, like I said, I didn't listen to the audio. I read the transcript. But, boy, like, if I was – if it if it's somebody that's truly a beat writer for this team and I was their editor, I'd be going, what are you doing? Go back to 101 at question asking. It was it was really odd. Like, I, I feel like there's a Daniel Brunskill praise article puff piece yeah, coming. Was that soon. his mom or something? Like, right. That's what I read. Like. Mrs. Brunskill in the media <laughs> session. Um, and I, I want to say this about him. He played probably his best game of the year. The, the thing about Brunskill is when he doesn't get dominated, you're like, oh, he's doing a really good job because he gets dominated so frequently. Like he usually gets worked by everybody. So the fact that he didn't get worked by Aaron Donald is impressive because Donald usually makes everyone look like Daniel Brunskill, but he didn't. He held his own. Good job, Daniel Brunskill. That's what the money is for. And let's move on. The last thing we need to do is be pumping up Aaron Donald when he comes to see the 49ers again in week 18. Like, let's not get it twisted here. That's not the real Brunskill. And I, I feel like, because Shanahan has made a lot of comments when he talks about Brunskill, and I feel like this is Kyle's mentality towards Brunskill, that he sees a game like that, and he goes, that's the Brunskill that we have. And every time he has a bad game, he's like, well, you know, that Brunskill is still out there that can dominate Donald. And it's like, no, that that's the, you know, asterisk. That, that's the exception to the rule. Like that, that's not the Bruns, the real Bruns skill. You know, it's like he like keeps seeing this one spectacular game and going, we can get that from him every game rather than addressing the damn position. That's been a problem since they got here, meaning this regime and get a real right guard. I feel like that's a problem everywhere, right? Like he won't get rid of Josh Norman because Josh Norman causes fumble sometimes and he ignores the plays where he gets beat, which by the way, he got beat again on Monday night. Stafford throws the ball right over his head into the end zone. He he gets totally caught out of position and he jumps and the ball goes right over his head and it would have been a touchdown, but the Rams receiver was out of bounds. Like, but Kyle's like, nope, should have causes fumbles, so we got to keep with Josh Norman, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo has a couple of good throws. Forget all the other bad plays, right? Because look at these really good throws. Like, if you're an established veteran, right. If you're if you're an established veteran in Kyle Shanahan's mind, it's hear no evil, see no evil. If you're a young player trying to 
earn playing time with Kyle. It's I see all evil. I see nothing (laughs) good. Yeah, it's like a veteran can get away with anything because he's going to remember the one good play. And a young player, hey, you you had one bad play in practice. You can't play this week. Right. Oh, Diamandor Lenore, you let up a 96-yard pass against the Eagles. Oh, you can't even be active anymore. Forget all the other good stuff, right? <laughs> Although now that Dre Kirkpatrick is gone, hopefully we do see a little Diamandor Lenore. Um, the other defensive starter that I oh, want to get into. That's a sad statement. Now that Dre Kirkpatrick is no longer on this team, we might be able to play other people. I, look at that. <laughs> I agree, but that's where we are. Um, the other th- practice window that opened was Dre Greenlaw, who's coming back from injury. And I don't know about you, Levin. Aziz should start. Aziz Alshire is awesome. And I know he missed the tackle on James Conner that let the Cardinals convert to third and 18. But don't let that one play cloud your view of him. He has been amazing. He is lightning fast. I do not want to see Dre Greenlaw out there over him at all. See, I have been one of the low people on Greenlaw, you know, from the beginning because he he's one of those people that he he's very athletic. He's good in coverage. And that means he has some highlight plays, you know, and, and I feel like the casual fan watching will normally see that highlight play. Remember that play and be like, oh, he's really good. And you see that on Twitter. Like there are some people out there on Twitter that think Greenlaw is like deserving of Pro Bowls. The problem is, is when he doesn't play well, he's completely in the wrong position. Uh, he fills the wrong holes in the run game consistently uh and there's times that he 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 just doesn't do a good job of recognizing a play um and and that's a a problem and aziz is better at it he recognizes quicker i don't think aziz is as good in coverage greenlaw is, is a really really good coverage linebacker the problem is he's not very good at everything else whereas aziz is i feel like he's a really good run linebacker and he's pretty good in coverage you know like he doesn't have a weakness like greenlaw has so you're saying if we could just combine them into one player, we'd have an actual complete linebacker. Yeah, if you could combine them into one player, you'd have Fred Warner. <laughs> uh, so, And Kyle, Kyle kind of said, like, hey, I don't know that we're going to necessarily be giving Dre the, you know, the starting nod right away here. So it's right. nice to hear that Kyle is sort of on board with that plan also. I would guess a pretty heavy rotation. I want to get into Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit because he's been getting a ton of praise And he's had some high quarterback ratings the past few weeks. And I just want to say this about Jimmy Garoppolo. I have finally figured it out. I have distilled it down into like a couple of sentences that sum up exactly where I think Jimmy Garoppolo is. He has three to four very good throws in him every game. And he has two to three horrible turnover-worthy throws in him every game. And if you throw the ball 19 times and he gives you those three to four good throws, you think he's awesome. And if he throws the ball 40 times, you're still only getting three to four good throws and you think he's terrible. Like the praise that's coming for Jimmy Garoppolo out of this game, he only threw 19 passes. Like, yeah, he's going to look good. Any quarterback's going to look good when you're running the ball well enough to run it 44 times. The 49ers average distance to go on third down in the first half was four and a half yards. Normally this season, it was eight. That's why Jimmy Garoppolo suddenly looked better because they ran the ball better. And I, I just, you know, Kyle Kami's writing articles about how Jimmy Garoppolo could be around in 2022. He could be the quarterback. No, no. If he's here in 2022, everybody needs fired period. Yes. That, that, like, there's nothing else to say on that. Neither one of us there were going to say anything because there is nothing else to say other than that. If they are going to pay Jimmy Garoppolo some of the top money in the league, because, like, this year, I think, what is he, like, third highest in terms of actual cash uh, going to him it's this year or something there, like yeah. that? And he's, gonna, he's got the same amount coming next year, so he'll be right around that top five again next year. If you're still paying Jimmy that next year, Fire everybody because you don't trade three first round picks to sit a guy for two years. For so two if that guy's years. if that guy needs to sit for two years, like if he's not ready next year, then you made the wrong choice and everybody needs fired anyways. Because you can't mess up in that manner. You can't trade three first round picks and not not make the right choice. You know what I mean? You, right. you just can't do that. And so if he if Trey Lance is not ready next year and you need Jimmy Garoppolo because of that, 
you already don't have the right guys leading the way. So it's kind of one of those things like if they think they still need Jimmy, either they can't get out of their own way to play the young kid or Trey Lance ain't it and they're screwed anyways. Yep. You know what I mean? There's like, no either good way, scenario. Right. Uh, Tim Kawakami has an article in The Athletic about that possibility. It's full of hedges. He loves to say like, hey, this could happen. Oh, but also this could the very next game, if they lose to Jacksonville, Trey Lance could be the starter. So like yeah. – Take it with a grain of salt, but just he's never been more entrenched as the starter this season than right now, but he could get replaced next game. Right. Right. So how tenuous is your grip on the job? If you could literally be about to be benched. Um, But I just, there's been a couple of infuriating things with Lance. Kyle Shanahan said uh, this week that Lance knows all the playbook and knew the whole playbook in training camp. And what he needs now, Levin, what Trey Lance needs now Mm -hmm. is this is the quote that, at game speed, he needs experience, and he said that you can't have enough experience, that Trey can't get enough experience right now. The same guy that, like, a week ago said, not all experience is good experience, is now saying about the exact same player, he can't get enough experience. Like, what, is there any plan or cohesion there with Trey Lance, or what, what is going on? I read that quote, and I literally thought, that is a quote that comes from a guy that does not know what the hell to do with a rookie quarterback. <laughs> he has no idea what to do with a rookie quarterback. He does not know how to handle that situation when he has a halfway decent starter already. You know, the Robert Griffin situation where he was an offensive coordinator during RG3's uh, rookie year, that was a different situation. That was an owner saying, you're going to draft this kid and you're going to play him. You know what I mean? It's not the same situation and there wasn't an entrenched starter on that team it's not the same situation so i don't want to hear that oh he he was the ovens coordinator when rg3 was a rookie yeah because he had to be he didn't get to choose and that's the whole reason why shan the shanahan's aren't in washington anymore that's why kyle shanahan hates the washington <laughs> franchise you know like know. oh by the way rg3 was rookie of the year that year too just yeah, throwing that out there yeah so that that uh that's one of those quotes that i i, I just it made me think, like, does Kyle know what he's saying? Right. Like, like, what's going through his head that he thinks that's the thing to say? Like, hey, yeah, we have this kid that was so smart, he got the entire offense down before the end of his first ever training camp, which, by the way, Jimmy didn't get the offense down by his own admission and Kyle's admission until like a year and a half <laughs> later after he arrived. Um but for Lance to have the entire thing down and then not to play him, like like I said, I can understand maybe week one not going to him right off the bat, like let Jimmy fail so that the veterans that see Jimmy as the leader don't go, what the heck, you know? But he failed. There were games where he was really bad. You could have replaced him, and nobody in that locker room would have been going, what are you doing? You know, and Kyle didn't take that opportunity yet. He has a kid that is so wickedly smart that he was able to learn what many consider the most complicated offense by the end of his first ever training camp. Like, what? Like, how are you saying that? And how are you saying the only way he can improve is full speed game experience, but then also be sitting there saying, no, we're going to keep, you know, pushing through the mud with this average at best starting quarterback. Like, what? He says things like he has no knowledge of any of the previous things he said before this. Like, it's just an odd way to go about it. And the quirk, none of the like, we think we can win with with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, okay, well, you lost five of six at one point this season. So clearly you can't win with Jimmy Garoppolo. So what are we doing here? It's just a weird thing. And I know nobody wants to hear it because the 49ers are winning again. And it looks like Jimmy Garoppolo is really good. When in fact, Jimmy Garoppolo is the exact same player he's always been. He just looks a hell of a lot better when he only has to throw it 19 times a game and they can run the damn ball 44 times. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, I wasn't going to say this. I had the thought when you were talking about how he has three or four really good plays and three, three or four really bad plays a game. And it's like, that is true. And a certain quarterback popped in my head, and he was, and I was thinking, 
He's he's like him without the gunslinger attitude. He's like a gunslinging quarterback without the actual gunslinging. <laughs> he's like Jay Cutler is what I was thinking Ugh. about. You know what I mean? Like they're not similar players. Don't get me wrong. You know, Garoppolo doesn't have the cannon Cutler had, and Garoppolo's at least a decent leader by example type player, whereas Cutler was a piece of crap by all <laughs> accounts that we we've ever been able to see. Not a very good leader at all. Um, but Cutler was one of those people. Like he was always capable of more. You could always see, like, God, this guy could be good. But then he always couldn't get out of his own way. He would make these throws that he's like, what the heck is that? But then you'd also have a throw that has such perfect accuracy. You're like, wow. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, like that fourth down throw to Debo. That's a right. great throw. It's anticipatory. It's in a really tight window over the middle. And it is perfectly in stride. That Debo scores because of the placement on that pass. Great pass by Jimmy Garoppolo. Absolutely great. The problem is... Those are way too few and far between. There were also two to three balls that he threw pretty much directly at Jalen Ramsey, begging Jalen Ramsey to make what could have been a game-altering mm-hmm. interception. Like, no one remembers those because the 49ers won and they scored 30 points. But they're still there. Like, those still things still exist. And so, you know, Jimmy's getting all this love. People are tweeting about how he's so underappreciated. He's the same guy he has always, always been. And I don't know why people need to see more of that to confirm it, but apparently they do. You know, we have not progressed to a point where we can separate performance from win or loss. Like if if the 49ers win, everybody says Jimmy Garoppolo played well, even if that's not true at all. Like in their mind, it's impossible for the 49ers to win and Jimmy Garoppolo not really have a good game. Right. It's like the Super Bowl MVP going to the quarterback when he played like crap. It's happened plenty of times. Oh, he's the Super Bowl MVP, but he threw two interceptions. Like, you shouldn't be the Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like, I tweeted out after after the first couple of days. I think it was on Tuesday I tweeted out because I was getting annoyed. Like, there are quite a few people that were, like, really critical of Jimmy. And then all of a sudden, they're, like, they're, they were posting this week. And I'm not going to name names because we know one of these people. And I, I'm not going to start that crap. I'm not going to create some drama here. But they they were then all of a sudden tweeting this week, like, the criticism with Jimmy is just so overblown. Like, you know, he's not that bad. He's just not that good. It's like, you were literally criticizing this guy and saying he shouldn't be playing. And now you're saying, like, people shouldn't be criticizing him as much. Like, get out of here. Like, be consistent. You know, I hate hypocrisy. Like, it drives, that, that's one of my least favorite things. Truly, like, if you want to trigger me, throw some hypocrisy out there. <laughs> I will be angry at you and wanting to punch you in your face. <laughs> yeah. I'd... Um, But my, my one point I want to make with Jimmy is it is entirely possible for somebody to not be the best option, to not be all that good but also not be all that bad and capable of having really good games was jimmy really good in this past game yeah i think it's one of his best games he's had as a 49er is he still the same quarterback that is not the best option moving forward for this franchise yes it is entirely possible jimmy is a good enough player to have a really good game but it doesn't change what he is like that's just one week you know you don't look at the small sample size you don't look at the to make a baseball analogy, you don't look at the guy hitting 220 when he hits a home run and go, see, he's really good. He hit a home run. Like <laughs> he still has to get some hits to hit right. 220. Right. It, it, it's the career that matters, not the one game when you're evaluating a player. So it, I mean, we've kind of known this for a while, but I don't think we'll see Trey Lance until the 49ers are mathematically eliminated, unless Jimmy just has a game that is so hideously bad that Kyle Shanahan actually finally does have that stroke on the sidelines that he's always seemed so close to having during the game. But uh we'll we'll see. They got the Jags this week. There should be no excuse. The 49ers should beat the Jaguars. You know, it has all the ingredients of a trap game, Levin. It's a road game against a terrible team. You can't have a trap game when you're four and five. I agree with you, but, but I mean, we've seen this happen. It happened to the Bills earlier this year. The Bills had a trap game against the Jags and lost nine to six. The Bills like, weren't, they didn't have a losing record then. 
the Bills were like, I think, four and two when that happened. Like, when you're four and five, you can't have a trap game because you're a below 500 freaking team. You're not a good team. You don't have trap games when you're not a good team. They had the chance now. Beat the Jags, you're back to 500. And it's like, holy crap, we're back to 500. Like, how sad is that statement? Like, well, but like, you kind of you want the white blanket here right now? Oh, we win next week. We're back to 500. Woo! What are we, the Raiders? Like we're celebrating 500? <laughs> well, but look, in order to get to where you want to go, first you got to get out of the hole, right? Like if you're trying to get to the top of the Empire State Building, you, you got to get to the surface before you can get to the top floor. And that's this what they're trying to do. This is a hover This is not a hover around commercial. <laughs> look, that was a really- <laughs> Takes me where I want to go. Like It's a bad analogy that I had to come up with very quickly, all right? Leave me alone. <laughs> you beat the Jags, then you go to five and five, You've got the Vikings, which that's going to be a very important game for seeding in the NFC because Minnesota is ahead of you right now in the Likely playoffs. decides a wild card. Yep, who wins it, that and who loses that probably decides a wild card. Yeah, because I think San Francisco and Minnesota of the teams that are sort of in the scrum, like New Orleans is there, but they don't really have a quarterback. The Panthers are there, but I don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, they're trying to resurrect the ghost of Cam Newton who can't even throw anymore. So I, don't, I think they're going to fall off. I think of the teams that are sort of in the scrum, the Niners and Vikings are the two best. So, yeah, I think that the outcome of that game is going to be massive. Kyle Shanahan, you know, against his one true love, Kirk Cousins. But, you know, you can't look ahead of that. You got to beat the Jacks. Just handle your business. Just beat the hell out of Jacksonville. Don't even make it a close game. Just go there and whoop them. Like, I feel like it helped the Niners so much on Monday night. They get the interception early. Wham. They turn it into seven points. Then immediately after that, Jimmy Ward gets the pick six. It's like, holy crap. Not only do we have a lead, which it felt like the 49ers never had, they had a two score lead. So you weren't mm-hmm. sitting on the edge of your seat on every pass. Like, oh my God, if they get a deep, a DPI here, that's going to set them up. We're going to lose the lead. Like it was just like a relaxing kind of game. And I, I feel like that's what you need to do against the Jacks. Yeah. That's what we were talking about. We, we couldn't remember the last time the Niners had a game where you were just, Sitting there and the whole time had a smile on your face. Well, they finally had one. Like, I was I sitting there kind of a little nervous through the first half? Yeah. Because I was like, mm, at some point the Rams are going to turn this on. At some point they're going to make some adjustment. McVay's going to figure out something. Something's going to happen. But then that second half started and Stafford was still throwing wobblers. And I was like, they, they, they just don't have it. <laughs> they were they're off not, all night. They're not here. Right. They, they did not show up. That's one of those games where they just took it for granted and didn't show up. But, you know, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, if the Niners want to truly get in the, into the playoffs, they need to win four or five games in a row. Well, there is a path for them to do that. Like you just, you know, laid out there. They just need to do it. And do I think they're capable of doing it? Yeah. You know, I said last week, I think this team still has the talent of a really good team. They're just not playing well. And at a certain point, you are what you are, regardless of how much talent you have on your team. And at that point, they were a three and five team. If that really good team with all that talent has finally figured things out, this is a team that I said in preseason I thought would win 13 games. So could they still rally and win 10, 11 games? Yeah, they still can. I'm just not going to sit here and say, that's what's going to happen. Right. I don't know. I have no idea what this team is. That's why I'm in the mood I'm in. Because I have no idea what this team is. I have seen uh, them literally come out and shit the bed against Arizona completely inexcusable. And then the very next week come out and destroy one of the better teams in the NFC. Like that's the type of team this is. They can be truly abysmal and they can also be truly dominant and beat any team in the NFL. Like you have no idea what this team is right now. They can beat anybody and they can lose to anybody. And to me, when you have that kind of a team that says you're not a great team, especially at this point in the season, but it doesn't matter. Like just get into the playoffs, seven seed, two seed, five seed, whatever, man. I feel like Kyle right, needs you get it in the for... playoffs. Anything can happen. Yeah. And we and... all, we all know that because the Baltimore Super Bowl. Well, yeah, that's true. But just, but also like Kyle could have a game like this, right? In any particular game where he just comes out, he destroyed them. Like he was so in his bag with the play calls. Everything he was calling was working. The Rams tried to adjust. Kyle adjusted off of that. And it was just beautiful. And he could do that in any particular game in the playoffs. So just get in and we'll take our chances. You know, we'll see. Who knows what the hell could happen? It's such a weird, weird circle in that NFC West. Kyle beats up McVeigh like he's his like five years younger sibling. 
<laughs> and then Pete Carroll comes in, and it's like the dad with a belt beating the crap out of Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, McVeigh turns around and beats the crap out of Carroll. It's yep. like, how is that possible? Like, McVeigh runs the same offense as Shanahan, and Shanahan's teams run the same defense that Carroll runs or did run. You know, like, it, it's so weird to me. It's like, that that's what that circle is. Like, the master of that offense, the one that truly, you know, taught everybody else that's come about is Kyle. So he can beat the one, the understudy. The master of that defense is Carroll. So he can beat the team trying to run the same defense that he runs. You know, it's, it, it's funny to me that it, it is so consistent that they just whoop the other team. Like, it's not like, oh, they managed to get to like, you know, a four and one record or a five and oh record against the other one. No, a lot of times they beat the crap out of the other team. Yep. It's, it's a weird little, little menage a trois going on in the NFC West. Um, Yuck. <laughs> I know that everyone likes to say all oh, 25% of Sean McVay's losses have come against Kyle Shanahan. That's true. But you know what? That also means 18% of Kyle Shanahan's wins have come against Sean McVay. Think about that. That like, also means McVay's not losing to too many other teams. Exactly. But and and it also means Kyle Shanahan is not beating too many other teams. Like you've got to have this kind of performance against somebody that's not Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. And please. You can't go out and get out coached by Urban freaking Meyer and Daryl Bevel next week. Like you just cannot do it. You, you have to step on their throw early and just beat them down. Play dirty. Send some co-ed to Meyer's house. <laughs> I don't even think you'd have to send him to his house. Just alert him that they're in the same state and he'll go fly to him. Right. Find out what bar he frequents on a Saturday night and send him there. That's it. You, you, you can't, you can't lose to that, right? To that just, like this guy was going to get fired halfway through his first season. That's how ridiculous the whole state of this was. And, you know, I just have this fear, right? Like Trevor Lawrence all of a sudden is going to look like a number one pick and we're going to get whooped by the Jags. And you and I will be there on Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern, just doing our normal show of how the hell did this happen? Yeah, I I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about losing to the Jags. Like, if they lose to the Jags, like, pull the plug. Like, four and six, pull the plug. Play for 2022, period. And guess what, Kyle? You just told everybody that there's nothing standing in Trey Lance's way other than you don't want to give, you see it as giving up on the season for whatever dumb reason. Because you admitted he knows the playbook. And that has been the main reason why some of, Throwing, throwing it out there that, well, maybe Trey doesn't know the full offense yet, so Kyle doesn't want to go to him unless he has to. Now, he just admitted he knows the whole offense, so there's no excuse. So as part of the post for Oh Hey There earlier this week, I ran a poll in the article on NinersNation.com, and the title of the poll was, Do You Believe in the 49ers Again as a Playoff Team? And there were three options. One was, I'm back, baby. One was, one good game does not a playoff team make. And the third option was, I never left because I'm blindly loyal. Well, 50% of people said one good game does not a playoff team make. So everyone's not jumping on board just yet. But the other two answers were basically split. I'm back and I never left, which I think was really interesting. And a lot of people got very mad at me because I titled the third choice. I never left because I'm blindly loyal. A lot of people did not like my phrasing on that one. To those (laughs) people, I sincerely say, I don't care. (laughs) Like if you think that there were no problems with this team earlier this year. You are blind. You are blindly loyal because there clearly were to the point where they had to have a defensive meeting players only this week to figure some of them out. That that third option would have been much better if you just said stands unite bang bang. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad, not going to lie. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, people like to get mad at me, but I think it's interesting that like most people are not ready to believe in this team again. Most people are kind of like we are like, all right, beat the Jags. And then we'll kind of see. It's not just like, oh yeah, we're going to run it back. Here comes the revenge tour. It's kind of funny because the fan base is the polar opposite of the media. You know, there are fan bases out there that are, oh, we're, we're great. I would say the Raiders fan base is one that always thinks their team's so good. Uh, Green Bay, mainly because they haven't really had too many down seasons because yeah, um, they are that good. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think they're a team that 
regardless of what's going on, they could be three and five. They're they're going to still believe they're a really good team. You know what I mean? Um, but the Niners have this like very quick to be like, screw you to the team. Like you suck type fan base, probably because of what the last 20 years have been like. Uh, you tend to raise an entire generation that's pretty cynical and not very trusting when you lose almost every season. But yeah, it, it's funny to me because then you have the media that's always like, oh, this team is so good. They're three and five. Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you like that impression? I don't know who that was an impression of. It yeah, that should have asked. Out, but... that's, uh, I, won't, I won't put you on the spot for that one. I truly don't know. Came out from that. That's deep down inside of me what I feel like the media is like. So this is where we are. Four and five. Everything the Niners want to do is still in front of them. Like you said, if they can put together a run, maybe they can hope for even more than the seventh seed. Maybe they can, you know, maybe the Rams fall off a little bit. We don't know what's going to happen with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Like his ankle is is sort of bulky, you know, like we don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. But it all starts Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Beat the Jags. And then, you know, I think this team getting a little bit of confidence will do them wonders too. So we'll see how it goes. You and I will be, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't assume. Are you available Sunday after the game for the Instant Reaction podcast this week? Nope. I won't be home from work till like 6.30. See that? Priorities, At 6.30 Eastern, which would be like probably about two hours after the game. So you will have just finished, basically, when I get home. Disappointing. But I, I was going to make one point. Uh, normally you're like, Ooh, you need that bye week you, you need the home field advantage. Not this team. Like be that seven seed <laughs> right. play on the road every yeah. week. That's where you win. Anyways. That's the crazy thing in the Kyle Shanahan tenure. They haven't won a ton of games, but they actually have one of the best road records in the entire league since he's been there. And they have the best record on East coast early games of any team. I would imagine because like, those games were like 30%. Like they're they're horrendously bad. A West Coast specific time zone team mm-hmm. playing on the in the Eastern Standard Time early set. Those have horrendous track records. And guess what? In Kyle Shannon's era, they actually have a winning record in those games, which is like unheard of. When you're seven games under 500 for your career, it's sort of crazy to have a winning record in that spot where nobody else seems to be able to win. Let's hope that continues this week against the Jags. Uh, Remember, everybody, rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. As you heard earlier in the show, you take the time to leave a review. We will take the time to read it. It really does make a big, big difference. Also want to thank the thousands of people that have watched our interview with Kyle Juszczyk. We were very proud of it, and I think uh, you learned a lot of things that we actually saw come to fruition in the Rams game. If you haven't heard it, you can go download the podcast. You can watch it on the Niners Nation YouTube page as well. Levin, you have a good week. I'm sad I won't get to talk to you on Sunday. We'll still be back next Thursday breaking everything down, and go Niners.